the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Uh, today, the church celebrates World Mission Sunday. So if you've paid attention to the readings you just heard, there's a lot about um, the being sentness of God's people in the world. And we, we focus on things like evangelism and witness and local and global mission. And even as I rattle these things off, I promise you there are those in here who are like immediately anxious or a little hesitant about what that means. Because there's so much baggage about how mission has looked in the West and in particularly in the U.S. We may have those, those uh, kind of memories that I have in college where people were wearing sandwich boards and yelling at all my friends saying that they were going to go to hell if they didn't repent. And here I am, an engineering student walking around with my head low, trying to like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do about this. You may think of people are really pushy with their faith and really need you to accept what they're saying and then pray some prayer to make sure you don't end up in the fiery pits of hell for all of eternity. Those kinds of like, oh, is Sean going to tell us to do this to my coworkers? Please, God, no. Please don't make him tell us that. I know, maybe it's just me, but I know that there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of baggage around the word mission and even evangelism or witness Local and global mission. There might be all kinds of different stories that you pull up. And they're not all bad. There are even missionaries among us whose own lives bear witness to a totally different way of embarking and participating in God's mission in the world. Even with all of that baggage. We may have think of those who even recently want to take America back for Jesus. And do what exactly with America? I want to ask. I have all these kinds of questions and pushback. And I I honestly look at all this and these ideas of mission and think, what is it that Jesus wanted to happen? Does Jesus want us to take back a country and make it something that it never was in the first place? Does he want us to shove our faith down our friends' throats? Does he want us to be pushy, take some serious risks and be bold and tell people to go to hell? Or did he have something totally different in mind? Does any of that sound like Jesus? Is the question that I have. What What is mission supposed to look like? Who is to be involved in mission? What is it supposed to look like? Those are the two questions that I want to um, explore with you this morning, and particularly in our gospel reading from John 20. Who is involved in mission, and what exactly does it look like? Not only do I think we find some really helpful answers in John 20, I think we actually find some really good news, some refreshing news about what the good news is and how it is that it gets shared in the world, what God's doing with that news. So let's take a look. We picked up in, uh, in chapter 20, verse 19. Uh, scripture says that on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, do you remember this? The doors being locked. The disciples were in there for fear of the Jews. We should like turn out the lights, lock the doors, just to kind of set the scene here so we can experience this together. It's no coincidence that that same scene is, is really similar to the beginning of chapter 20 with Mary Magdalene, who was in the dark, On the first day of the week, grieving the loss of her Lord, and she was at the tomb. Do you think it's coincidental that the gospel writer just happened to start two stories that way, or was he getting at something? I think he was getting at something. What happens on an Easter morning when the risen Jesus makes himself present around a people with lots of problems in the dark, who are grieving, who are doubting, who are fearful? What happens when the risen Jesus now appears among them? What kind of transformation happens on Easter morning in the darkness of our lives and in this world? What difference, in other words, does the risen Jesus being present among us make 
Jesus came and stood among them, it says. And he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands, wounds in his hands, and he showed them his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They knew it was him. The headline of this moment in scripture is obviously that Jesus is not dead, right? That he's, he's risen, he's alive, and he's present. That's the headline. But if you look a little closer, you'll notice what happens to the people who are in the dark, who are burdened with fear and doubt and lots of problems, the transformation that happens with them. There's really kind of a, a miracle that happens even with those people. This isn't the story, and listen, this isn't a story about a very holy, very righteous, powerful, impressive group of disciples that went off into the world and changed everything, right? That's not this story. It's a story of a fearful, grieving, doubting, burdened, powerless, unimpressive gang of people that Jesus transformed into his missionary church. I can relate to some of those adjectives, some of those descriptives. Like, yeah, if this is that story about a really unimpressive group of people, I think I can find, I can find where I fit into the story. That Jesus somehow made this difference in their lives. It wasn't their mission strategy. They didn't say, you know what, guys? Peter wasn't like, I got a plan. Listen to my plan. I got a plan. It wasn't their money. It wasn't their health. It wasn't that like one of the disciples could sprint between cities really well. And so they're like, you're in. Let's, you got to send the message. It wasn't their well-spoken charisma or their natural talent. It wasn't because they went to seminary or had some sort of education whatsoever. So what was it that made the difference for an unimpressive group of people to be transformed into the witnessing church on mission in the world? What was the difference? Jesus stood among them, showing them his wounds, speaking peace to them, and breathing his spirit upon them. Jesus' presence made all the difference, friends. He showed them the trophies of his victory, Thomas Aquinas calls his wounds. The authoritative proof, the evidence, this is that same Jesus, it's not some other guy that looks like him some doppelganger. This is that Jesus who suffered through death on a cross. He is raised. Look at his wounds. That's him. And this is why the disciples were so glad. He bore the trophies of that victory. And because of that victory, because he was authorized as the risen one, then he authoritatively declares shalom, peace. And not just some sort of like soft, lovey-dovey kind of thing, but this comprehensive reconciliation of the world with God, their creator. It's not just the absence of violence. It wasn't just, oh, now we're going to be nice to one another. It was the risen Jesus who had defeated sin and death and violence and now authoritatively says now, shalom, everything made new. Peace be with you. If you want to know what that looks like, a world that Jesus declares shalom about, you listen to Isaiah 61. It, de- it describes a comprehensively the, 
Good news that's preached to the poor. Those who are captive are set free. Those who are burdened with shame are now given a crown of glory. Those who are far off are now brought near. The Latino uh, missiologist, Rene Padilla, he calls this um, the integral mission, Mission integral, the entire world made new, even in your life. It's not just part of your life that Jesus is changing, it's a whole life that he's transforming, and through that, using you to participate in the mission of God. So we might think, well, I thought evangelism was really all we needed to get. We just needed to tell people what they need to know, say the right words, and check, we're good. Now, the articulation of the gospel is super important, as we heard from our other readings. It's important that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, for sure. But there is so much more involved in the world that God is making new with that news. It's all of it together. This is the shalom that Jesus is describing and and invoking authoritatively among his people. This is where his mission is heading. Standing among him, uh, among them, Jesus Having done this, showing him his wounds, speaking peace. In verse 21, he says to them this. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This unimpressive gang of people. This really unqualified, doubtful, fearful people. This band of beggars Jesus is sending into the world. And he's saying, just as the same way that the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Then he breathes on them. We were just talking about this in our middle school class. Middle schoolers, you know what I'm at, right? We turned off the lights and we reenacted this scene. And it's kind of weird. <sighs> I had a face mask on. Don't worry, parents. None of this. <laughs> Jesus breathing on the disciples, saying, receive the Holy Spirit. The same God who breathed life into the dust is this God who you know, stands among this very unimpressive group of people and breathes his Holy Spirit on them. And then you think, well, this is weird enough. No, it gets even weirder. He gives this unimpressive group of people this incredibly dangerous power. It's the power to overthrow a violence-filled world. It's more dangerous than any nuclear material on the planet. Jesus declares an open carry of the forgiveness of sins. And he empowers his disciples to go into the world with it. Yeah, take that, Texas. (laughs) Easy, easy, easy. Yeah, come and take that, right? No, I'll stop, I'll stop. I love you, Texas, I do. But this is dangerous, folks. What Jesus gives this unimpressive group of people is is world-changing. And the people he gives it to, his disciples, y'all, they're not like really super impressive, qualified people. There's so much going on in this encounter where Jesus appears with his disciples. There's so much happening here. But back to our question, who is then involved in this mission of God? The really qualified people with collars on? People who are comfortable with talking about Jesus with others? Who, who gets in on this mission of God? Well, Sean, I got problems, man. I, that sounds wonderful, but I got all kinds of problems in my life. There's no way that God could use me in his mission in the world. The only thing that qualifies a person to be involved in the mission of God is that they stand in proximity to the risen Jesus. They're with him, and he is with them. And surely he will give them words. Surely he will fill them with his spirit. 
Surely he will empower them with the forgiveness of sins. It's not just reciting the Roman road or the four spiritual laws or making sure that people understand doctrine. It is about announcing the kingdom of God that is breaking into this world and turning it upside down with the forgiveness of sins. And the way that it is sent into the world is in the same manner that the Father has sent Jesus into the world with the same kind of love, with the same kind of message of peace, with the same kind of message for the poor and the oppressed. So when we go into the world announcing the kingdom in the face of white supremacy and injustice and economic disparity and education inequality and all of those things, it's not social do-goodism. For Christians, this is a declaration of the kingdom of God that is breaking into the real world. We're announcing the gospel. That's where Jesus is. That's why we're there too. We're participating with him. It's a whole thing. Do you see this? Mission Integral, the whole life of the church. Engaged in the needs of society. Yes, declaring the repentance of sins, but in light of the kingdom that's breaking in. And we don't do this as if Jesus is sending us on an errand without him. Peace out, disciples. Good luck. Surely I will be with you to the end of the age. Receive my spirit. He is with us and empowers us. Amen? Do you all see this? Every inch of our life is now recruited for the mission of God. Every inch. Your kitchen, in fact. When you invite people over for a meal... Your ear, when you sit with a friend who has problems. Your hands, when you serve them a cup of coffee. Your feet, when you go and care for others in need and be present with them. Your whole life, everything you are, is now recruited with the kingdom of God in the mission of God in the world. That's good news because you don't need anything else. That's all you have. And Jesus uses that. We're all getting in on this. And his power and his presence, they transform Our life, just as we have it, to be recruited and used for the goodness of God and his mission in the world. Now, what about our second question? What does it look like? As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. It looks just like Jesus, friends. If you're ever participating in mission or doing something you think is a participation in mission, it should look like Jesus. It should have that aroma of his love, of his humility, of his kindness to others. If you ever want to know, God, is what I'm doing right now a participation in your mission? Ask yourself, does it look like Jesus? Would he do this? Did I learn this from him? Are these the kinds of words he would say? And surely, if it looks like him, it's a participation in him. Friends, this morning when we gather in this room, we are not gathered with the doors locked. This isn't a holy huddle. We're not afraid of the world. Or anything that it can bring to bear. We are those who have been revealed that the presence of Jesus is right among us. Doors open. Lights on. We are those who stand in the presence of the risen Jesus. Who shows us his wounds at this table. In fact, we feed on them. Who breathes his spirit into our life. And then, as Deacon Courtney will do later, commissions us and sends us to go into the world. Not fearful, but rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And y'all say it. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Go team, let's go. Vamos, right? That frontier of mission isn't just in a jungle across the planet or some other exotic place like that, though that is a frontier of mission as well. That frontier of mission exists anywhere there is faith to no faith, that border, faith to no faith. It could be cutting through your own heart even now. Think of your own life as you have it. Where is that frontier? By the way, that's also from Rene Padilla. He talks about that border, that frontier of faith and no faith. Where is that for you? 
Think of your workplace. Parents, think of your homes and the children you have in your care. That's, your, that's the frontier right there. Where is it for you? It does exist. God has providentially and very lovingly placed you closely connected with some other people in your life in that frontier to discern his work and say, Lord, where, where are you at work? What are you doing? How can I participate in that? And God has given you everything that you need to patiently, non-anxiously, full of hope and joy and humility, bear witness to the work that God is doing in the world through his son Jesus by the forgiveness of sins. Announcing a whole new kind of life that is now available, not only to us, but to those who are placed closely around our lives. Friends, we step into this aisle, we come up to this table and receive these wounds, and these wounds, they incorporate us into a body that is in motion in the world. You cannot come forward and not be caught up in the motion of God's Christ in the world, in his mission in the world. So this morning as we prepare to come to the table, I want to just recruit your bodies to help, I don't know, stir something up here for you to remember and recognize what it is you're getting yourself into. Every breath you take in here, you breathe in Christ's spirit. When you come forward and step into this aisle and set out your hands, Christ shows you his wounds again and you feed on them. Father Ryan stands up and in the name and the power of Christ announces peace to you and the forgiveness of sins. And Deacon Courtney sends us into the world on mission. Friends, this right here, this is the birthplace of mission. This table is where it begins. And through you, this table is extended throughout the world. Christ's presence is scattered in the public and you are a part of that. How is God going to use you this week? How might he use your life as you have it? Let's ask that question to the Holy Spirit right now. Let's take a moment of silence, breathe in God's presence, and ask him to speak to us right where we are. Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.